Welcome to the LBC Podcast, where we explore Christian theology and practice for the building up of God's family. My name is Joel Lapierre, high school director at LBC. And I'm Josh White, the pastoral coordinator at LBC. Yeah, and we also have Chris Moore in the room running the gear. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, no problem. This is fun. Yeah, awesome. And today for our podcast, uh, we have lead pastor, our lead pastor, Pastor Eric, um, who will be answering some questions for us. So thanks for coming on the podcast for us. Thumbs up. Yeah. (laughs) That's all he's got for us. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Never done this before. This microphone is really intimidating. Yeah, I so bet. That, my best thought was just to give you a thumbs up. Yeah, yeah, that works, except no one could see that. <laughs> good point. Yeah, it's a good point. Awesome. Hey, before we start, Eric, uh, I remember a story that you told when I was in high school, when you were the high school pastor. Um, you, it was about you almost getting arrested for drugs or something like that. I don't remember everything about it. Could you share a little bit about that um, and maybe give the full story for us? Oh, man, this podcast is going to get me in a lot of trouble. Huh? Yeah, probably. <laughs> so, no, it's a funny story, but it was not funny at the time. So uh, my roommate and I wanted to go uh, shoot basketball hoops, you know, at the gym. And so uh, I was driving my car. My car, side note, was a little different you know it had some blue lights and some fun things and it got me in some trouble yeah and I imagine so we were driving in my hyper blue lights i guess caught the attention of an officer as did some some other things and so uh he he pulled us over and immediately asked us to get out of the car there wasn't much uh pause there and so i was immediately scared because i've never had to get out of my car before you know yeah and um he asked us to get, get out and he asked me two questions he's like hey do you have any weapons and do you have any like drugs and i was like no of course i don't you know and so he starts searching my car and the first thing he finds are a pair of nunchucks and i'm like oh you gotta be <laughs> kidding me <clears throat> and he's like what's this and i was like well those are one of my friends eric <laughs> who i take to um karate class and he <laughs> must be sure those are them. illegal yeah right? and so I'm like, I'm pretty sure they're like styrofoam, like they're plastic. And then, <laughs> they're not real. Yeah, they're they're like plastic or something. Like they they yeah. don't hurt, you know. Yeah. And as I'm saying it, I'm like, that didn't sound very smart. Like they're the yeah. nunchucks that don't hurt, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. So this is going practice. south very quick, right? Yeah. And so he's he's kind of like skeptical and looking, and then he continues to look and he pulls out what is a tinfoil brick, right? And uh-huh. I'm like, oh no, this is bad, right? And he goes, um. Hey, is this is this a puffy muffin? And I'm like, sir, I have no clue what a puffy muffin is. He's like, where did you get this? And I'm like, uh, I had a basketball game a couple nights ago. One of the moms made us brownies, and like a good college student, I'm trying to make the brownie last over time. Oh, man, right? that's gross. And so he he says, well, is this does this brownie have marijuana in it? And I was like, no. I was like, you can eat it. It's a little stale, but there's nothing illegal in there. Yeah. And so he kind of thought about it and ran our background checks and did all that fun stuff. And uh, he ended up he ended up letting us go. But it was really touch and go there for a second. Yeah, that's scary. Now, was the foiled uh, brownie in the trunk of the car or just in your back seat? It, it was in the uh, the the middle part where you oh, hold your console. Yeah, the, the console. console. Okay. Yeah, so like he opened it. Right? Uh, like he was genuinely checking for that's stuff. where that's where you Stashy. don't put the drugs. That's that's bad. Yeah. You see, I don't know, but that's a good spot for a brownie you're saving later. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Kind of portion uh, it out. Now I yeah. think I remember a little bit about this car. Now what what kind of car did you have? I feel like this is kind of interesting. Oh, this this is here. This is embarrassing. Good. But good. It's time embarrassing. It was it was fun i had a, i had a honda civic and uh basically 
you know, like a, a teenager who didn't know what he was doing. I put all my money into the engine and into the sound system and, you know, thought it was a lot of fun to play music loud. And yeah, blow of, your eardrums yeah, out. Yeah, blow your eardrums out, and you'd hear us coming from like a mile away, yeah. either through the engine or, or through the sound. Yeah, it was, it was probably one of those cars where you're going 20 miles an hour, but it sounds like you're going like 100. No, so it, it was more sophisticated than that. Oh, it was more, oh so yeah, take was, offense to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't just like some bolt-on muffler stuff, right? We, we had some serious engine huh? work going. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. We were trying to get you know into the the thirteen second quarter mile range. Oh, you know, okay. Watched Fast and the Furious one too many yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Know? But it, I mean, the the pursuit of speed was fun. To, yeah, you know, to try and come up with something to get it to go that fast. Yeah. I mean, it's dumb in retrospect, but in the moment, yeah, it, it, it was cool. Oh, that's funny. Well, uh, thanks for sharing that story. That's a good one. Um, well, for our topic today, um, our topic is why people don't love church. There's a reality out there that many are seeing church differently these days, and many refuse to make a decision for Jesus because of the church. So we want to tackle that issue with you, Eric. Um, now, in your sermon on Sunday, you primarily addressed the importance of the resurrection of Jesus and how every belief about the resurrection is based on faith, whether you believe it happened or not. You also mentioned some reasons why people don't love the church and want want to participate in it. Could you elaborate on those reasons a little more for us? Why is it becoming more popular for people to do church outside of the physical local church body? Yeah, let me let me preface all of this with saying that um, my goal is is when I explain this question, it comes off very combative. And um, I don't think the goal is to guilt people into church. And hopefully mm-hmm. what they'll see is God's design is beautiful. Yes. And it's in people's best interest that they they do it the way he designed it. Yes. And when we operate outside of his design, it's harmful for us. And And I can look around this room. Each one of you have been blessed by being a part of the church, including myself, Amen. right? Absolutely. Amen. And, yeah. and, and, it, yeah. and we're speaking from a place of like, this is the, one of the greatest things in the world. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah definitely. And, to be a part of the church and, and that you would see the beauty and the glory and the majesty that God designed in the church and, and to be a part of that. And so I don't want that to get missed, <clears throat> but mm-hmm. what I think uh, there's a myriad of reasons in our culture. I think you've kind of had this detachment from going to church becoming this church on your porch kind of thing from, I think, you know, some people have been hurt by church and I, and I get that. And, um, you know, churches are full of sinners. And so Mm -hmm. you kind of got to know it's going to be, uh, you can get hurt. Right. And be also got to know you might hurt someone as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so I get that people don't like to be told what to do. You know, there's a lot of kind of anti-authority. Who are you to tell me? You know, Um, my feelings are my truth. I I make my own way. Um, And then you also got to think like we have like this day and age, we have the you can customize anything. Right. And and so we want to customize all of our life. We customize our burritos. Right. We have our Burger King your way right away. And so you come to (laughs) church and you kind of expect to like walk up and see okay, do I want Eric to preach? No, Josh. Yeah, I want Josh to preach, but I want him to wear something blue. No, maybe something red, right? And I'd really like to see Chris on an electric guitar, but like maybe like a magenta blue or something, right? And Joel, I'd really like to see him on the drums because, you know. know, I can carry a rhythm for sure. Exactly. 
know, and so you come and you're like, wait, I don't get to pick the service or the songs or the preaching or the topic or the people. Yeah. Like that's, that's just terrible. I'll go in a setting I like with a book I like at a time I like uh, with a cup of coffee or some mm-hmm. other, you know, adult beverage and meal of my choice yeah. at the at the length I want, right? Yeah. And so that that sounds more appealing to me. So I'll just do it that way. Mm. And so when it doesn't happen that way, uh, it, it, it's a turnoff to people because every other facet's that way, mm-hmm. right? They can design their phone however they want. They can pick their car however they want. You know, think about all the things that are customizable. Yeah. And then for church to not be that way is like, ah, uh, yeah. You know, I think social media is a huge influence on that too. I mean, if you don't like someone, unfollow them or block them. Right. You know, it's part of that too. Yeah. So you, you don't have to do the work of building a relationship, getting to know people, putting up with things you may not like, um, preferences you may not, you know, have. They might not have the coffee you like. They might not sing a song that you like. They, you know, yeah. they might go yeah. through a book of the Bible you don't like, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, that becomes very, uh, it becomes an obstacle for people. Yeah. And so, but if, if we look at the scripture correctly, it's worth, it's an obstacle worth overcoming. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So that kind of leads to the next question, which is how would you define the church and what constitutes a biblical church gathering? And then how would you support that with scripture? Wow. He came up firing, huh? He did. So, <laughs> so again, let's, you got to think of the, the context here. Um, what people want is a, is a two second answer, right? Go to first Corinthians, Genesis, whatever chapter verse, go to church. Right. And therefore, I commend you go to church and you're not going to get that. And you're not going to get that with uh, a lot of things in the Bible. But what you are going to get is if you take uh, kind of use deductive reasoning and you take, OK, there's a verse here and there's a verse here and there's a passage here and a passage here. You take all these pieces and you put them together uh, in, a, in a puzzle. It all becomes clear. And it's like, oh, wow, that makes no sense to do that, or Mm -hmm. God's clearly saying to do this. And that's a little bit of what we have to do here. So um, we'll define it, and then we'll walk through some verses that support it. But the succinct answer, and keep in mind, you're not going to go to a verse and see all of this wrapped together. But the succinct answer is that a church is where you have biblically qualified elders leading a group of Christians to the glory of God and to reach lost people. You know, those are the the primary two functions of a church is that the church is to give God glory. And part of giving God glory is sharing his goodness with lost people. Right. And so, but it's always under the authority of biblically qualified elders, you know, and that's consistently in, in the Bible. And I think part of why you see that is to keep the purity and the holiness of the church and to, to keep the gospel unchanged, you know, the good news that Jesus is the only way to God. And you look through the Old Testament, they're constantly trying to change things. That's why Moses was a leader to kind of keep, keep our eye on the ball. And what happens when the leader leaves, the people go back to their old ways. And what does he have to do? He has to come down and rectify things. So from the Old Testament forward, God's always had an infrastructure of leadership to protect the holiness, purity, and really the safety, the spiritual safety of the of his people. Yeah. 
Mm. So that's that's kind of what you see there. But you said some verses, right? Yeah. Okay. So uh, we'll we'll start we'll start simple and work our way out. So we talked about elders. Um, you know, is that even mentioned in the Bible? Yes. So you go Titus one five. It says uh, Paul says this is why I left you in Crete so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Okay. So he commands. Titus to put elders in every city at the forming of the church. And so what that tells you is there's to be elders everywhere. Mm -hmm. Now go back to this kind of churches on my porch mentality. Where are the elders, right? There needs to be elders everywhere. And not only, so that's kind of point one, point two is that there's qualifications to be an elder. Not everyone gets to be an elder, right? So you read through Titus, you read through first Timothy three, there's qualifications to be an elder that you are certain character qualities and that you have uh, teaching abilities so that you can protect and lead and shepherd the flock. Right. And so one of the primary things later on in Titus is Titus one nine. And he says, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught. So that he may be able to give instruction and sound doctrine and also rebuke those who contradict it. So right there you see very clearly the elders not just supposed to give whatever opinions they have, right? It says he's to to instruct the word as taught, Mm -hmm. right? So the word of God that was taught to him, he's to teach that, he's to hold firm to it, and he's to give instruction based on that word. And he's also supposed to be able to rebuke those that contradict it. So you could see this is all within the idea and context of a plurality of people. And then that there's going to be people that need to be guided and instructed and rebuked. So right away, you think of you're on your porch with a couple people. Who's the qualified elder? Where's the authority? Where's the sound doctrine from the word that was taught, not Rob Bell or some random podcast or some let's let's talk about God together and call it church like that's that's not it at all it has to be a plurality of elders who have authority that are leading and guiding people in the trustworthy word as taught right the word of God and that when false things do come up they know the word of God well enough to say that is not the word and they can rebuke it and that's to the to the spiritual health of the church and the individual yeah. You know, so you look at real quickly those qualifications and it it doesn't work, you know. And so that's that's maybe the uh maybe like the the structural part of it. Yeah, another thing I think that's like interesting too is you you not only see Paul commanding this and giving instruction for it, but you also see him practicing it very clearly in Acts. And so we see him practicing that with the start of the church. This isn't something that just came later on. This was like something that happened when the church began in Acts. One one passage that stood out to me is in Acts 14, 23. This is after Paul gets stoned. And it says, and when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And so you see not only that there's instruction for it, but also that Paul is practicing that as well. And and, and kind of like Eric mentioned, 
um, going back to that, we see very clearly, especially we were as a church, we're in first Corinthians right now. And we've covered some of this kind of already in the sermons, but we've seen very clearly, especially from first Corinthians 14, that God has designed the church to have structure and to have order and for there not to be chaos. And so in order for that structure to work and in order for any structure to work at all, you have to have leaders. Structure doesn't work unless you have leaders leading. And so that's what we see for God's design for the church is that structure. So that's like the, the basic framework, but there's a, there's a lot of other things that are, uh, A, I would say that's profitable to the individual is to have leadership, godly leadership that's trying to protect the purity of God's word, trying to lead you to the glory of God and trying to uh, help you grow in your faith and help you uh, see the, the fullness of God. That's what says, teach the full counsel of God. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus commands them to. So that's part, but there's also these, these other pieces, you know? So one of my favorite verses to, to help people see the beauty of the church is in Hebrews 10. Um, if you back up a little bit in verse 23 of chapter 10, it says, let us hold fast, uh, hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Right? So right mm-hmm. there you see this, hey, hold fast and people are wavering, right? For he who promised is faithful. So Jesus is faithful, verse 24, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Verse 25, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some of you, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so if you think of that context, you have uh, the command that we're to not neglect meeting together as some people are. So this isn't a new problem. This isn't problem like Ecclesiastes. There's nothing new under the sun. People didn't want to. And he says, hey, you need to uh, stir one another up uh, to good works don't neglect meeting together, encourage one another. And here's a context I, th- I think people don't realize is as the day is drawing near. So that is uh, the the idea in their mind would have been that Jesus is coming back. Okay. Yeah. So to do that until he comes back, that applies to us now. Right. Yeah. And so it wasn't just some temporal time bound cultural idea that was helpful for them then, right? It is something to do now and forever. And and if if you think about it, what a beautiful thing to hear that God knew from the beginning that, you know, life is hard, right? Sin is in the world. Sometimes you have a hard week with your kids. Sometimes it's a hard week with your spouse. Sometimes it's a hard job. Sometimes your health is terrible, right? And there's all these things. Mm-hmm. And it's saying, what a good thing to come to church and have someone stir you up to good works, to, to see the goodness of God, the glory of God, or on the other side, if things are going great, right. And you're loving life and you're seeing the goodness of God and, and you're content in your heart and you're excited to be that person that gets to stir, right. Yeah. To see, Hey, that, that's my friend. Like Joel's down. Like, dude, I, I love you. I'm glad you're here. Uh, I'm like, so glad we can worship Jesus together. And it's like, Oh wow. Someone noticed me. Someone cared about me. Someone talked to me. Like these are good things that God desires for us. And, and so that's a, uh, a practical piece of why do you come to church is that to live in isolation isn't good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not helpful. 
Uh, I think I even heard Josh mentioning like from the beginning that wasn't good. Yeah, it wasn't helpful. Even when you look at God creating Adam and Eve, it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. That's why he God created Eve was so that Adam would have a helper. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Great. All right. So this next question, preface it with, you know, when I came to the Lord when I was 18, my experience with Christians growing up junior high and high school was not good. So coming to the Lord, going to church, I struggled because I just didn't like Christians. Um, so it was hard for me to be in church. Um, but with that, there might be other people that, that feel the same way for different reasons. But what are, what are the main reasons why we need to be in church? Yeah, so that there's a there's a lot there. Um, let's maybe piggyback off the the Hebrews ten part that um, we need to be encouraged in our faith. We need to have other people encourage us in our faith. Um, and the the other part, the part people don't like, Chris, to be really honest with you, is you need accountability mm. and you need authority. And and people don't like to hear that, but it's true. Um, but you, you read later on in Hebrews, Hebrews 13, it says, uh, verse chapter 13, verse 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not groaning, for that would be no advantage to you. And so what he's saying is there is an advantage to you, right? Mm-hmm. And the advantage is that there are uh, qualified leaders that are pointing you towards Jesus, but also... That when you have a question about your faith or you have a question about life, there's someone who knows the Bible in a way that can help you understand that. There's someone that can help you say, hey, that's that's not what Jesus said. Let's not chase that. Let's not chase things that don't work. Someone who's keeping their eyes on on Jesus and helping keep that directed focus there. Uh, two is you see in First Corinthians, like Josh mentioned, is that we're a body and we're equipped differently. And, and the church is a place where you get to use those gifts and be used by God and see the glory of God and see God work in all these amazing ways. And one of the illustrations given to me was like, if, you know, the church is a body and Christ is the head, if the pinky's cut off from the body, it can't survive. Uh, it has to be attached to the body to survive. So what that tells me is, that's where that's where a lot of your growth happens, you know, is in the church around other believers, um, learning from their life, you helping them learn from your life on on the ways you've seen God move you, teach you, sometimes in your failures, sometimes in your success. And and I'm always I'm gonna camp on on this always because it's important, it is the corporate gathering. There's nothing like it in worship. Yeah. Like you can sing in your car all you want, but there's nothing like a bunch of Christians gathered together, singing together the goodness and the greatness of God. Mm-hmm. There's nothing more cool than that. And to in that moment, realize like we're not alone at work. Oftentimes, like you're alone. You're the only Christian. You're the only one who cares. And that's yeah. hard. But when you come to church, it's like, hey, we're all here together. We all love Jesus. We are all saved by the blood of Jesus. And that's encouraging and that's exciting. And the the other part, the harder part for people to understand, I think, is that when the world falls apart, you want the church, right? That's when you hear the stories of people coming to the hospital, people picking up people's kids, people cleaning people's houses when they aren't able. And you might not get to that moment for years, you know, think of sometimes stories, people go to church 30 years and all of a sudden cancer, cancer hits and all of a sudden the church is there. 
But why was that moment able to happen? Because they were known. Mm-hmm. People knew who they were. Yeah. And it's not a bunch of strangers showing up. It's family that they've known for a long time. Yeah. That they've cried with and they've worshipped with. They've celebrated with. They've done life with. They mm-hmm. show up because they love, they're loved. And they're loved because they're known. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so that's a huge benefit to people. But to answer your question, Chris, the hard part about it is that that, that takes time. And you never know when something's going to fall apart. And so you, that's why you don't neglect the coming together, right? That's mm-hmm. why you don't neglect the stirring up. It's through those touch points over and over and over again, the relationships build. And when something does fall apart, the, you, have a, you have a network, a family to help put it back together. And sometimes you get to be the one that helps put it back together. And sometimes you're the one that needs other people to come around you. Mm-hmm. And so it gives and takes. And, and and that's the glory of God being displayed to non-Christians. Look at the way these people love each other and help each other and come together and they don't neglect coming together. I mean, think about, think about if, if you, if the story became, man, I love going to church. There's nothing like it instead of like, Oh yeah, I'm on my, per- I'm on my porch. I'm at church. Well, anyone can go on their porch and go to church. You're taking away yeah. the uniqueness yeah. of the church, that it is very unique and God designed it. And so people miss those blessings, those moments, and you can't exercise all God's called you to um, when you're not coming to church. You're not maximizing the potential of what God has for you, I guess would be another way to say it. Yeah. And going back to, you know, the Hebrews 10, 25 pastors, not neglecting to meet, you know, not only is it for our benefit, but I, I would also say that it's a command to be obeyed. And so if, if we are neglecting to meet, if we're not coming to church in the way that God designed it to be, then we're actually being disobedient to what he's called us to do. And what's even interesting as well is when you look at the majority of the New Testament, you, you really, if you're not coming to church, then you can't obey the majority of the New Testament because what's really interesting is that the New Testament often talks, there's, there's, many more verses that talk about how we as believers are supposed to treat each other in the context of the church in contrast to how many verses that there are that talk about how we treat others outside of the church. And so you really can't, you, if you're just doing church by yourself at home on the porch, then you can't obey those scriptures that speak of how you're supposed to treat believers in the context of the church. Like that's the entire purpose of Ephesians four and Ephesians five. It's the practical application of the gospel in the church and how you, and how you live and how you respond to that as the church. And so you can't, you can't obey that. And then we even see too, just for example, some, some passages that speak um, of how highly we're supposed to treat other believers. Like we see that in Galatians 6.10 and 1 Timothy 6.2, just real fast, Galatians 6.10 says, so then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Mm-hmm. Great verse. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks guys. How can we take these truths and apply them to our lives and encourage others to do the same? Yeah, so I, I think uh, the the first thing I want to try to address is that people often don't see maybe the benefit of coming to church, okay? And so hopefully we've briefly touched on some of the beauties and the benefit of church. But my, my first pushback is going to be, if you're saying you're not getting much out of church, it's because you're doing it wrong, okay? And that sounds really harsh, but I'm 
just humor me for a second and walk through this is that we do live in a very busy culture, right? And so oftentimes people um, come to church with their hair on fire, seated their pants, barely pulled it off. Now, uh, we're not looking down on anyone with young children who, you know, your kid spilled something and then they threw their diaper and like you barely got here. (laughs) Like that's going to happen. Like totally get that. Or guy just got off work. He's coming. Um, But what I'm saying is, you don't come to church with a prepared heart. And I, and I think in order to get the fullness of what God has for you on a Sunday morning, it's to come with a prepared heart. So you go back to the Hebrews 10 passage and it says, let us consider how to stir up one another. So there's this built in idea of thinking, how am I going to do this? And, and to not neglect coming together. So to consider how to stir up when we do come together. You know what I mean? So coming, coming with a prepared heart, like, so that in my mind comes with getting ready for the passage, right? You're studying it, praying through it, asking God to teach you, to, to show you saying, Hey God, how do you want to use me tomorrow? How could I stir up people? Give me eyes to see new people that I could encourage them, love them, connect them, pray for them. Um, God, how can I use the way you've equipped me and gifted me to be used by you? Because there's so much fun when we use uh, the way God's gifted us to bless other people and, and to know we're, we're living within the way God created us. So having that kind of preparation so that when you come that morning, you're ready to sing. Like you've thought through all the reasons why God is good or you're super sad and you're thinking through how can I still praise God for what he's done through Jesus? And, uh, or maybe you're really hurt and you're upset and you're saying, God, I need to talk to someone tomorrow. You know, I just need to be open and honest that I'm hurt. I'm lost. I'm confused. Instead of how can I get out before the last song and hit the parking lot before anyone can talk to me? You know what I mean? When that's kind of your in and out mentality you're not you're not allowing the full potential of what God could do on a Sunday morning, you know, because there is a uniqueness to what God is doing. And part of that is like people don't come rested. They'll they'll come off two, three hours sleep, just don't care. Like imagine what would happen if you're hanging out with a group of friends and you're like, oh man, it's like eleven. I gotta get home. And they're like, Why? You're like, dude, I want to church tomorrow. It, yeah, and like that's a big deal. Like, I look forward to going to church, right? I'm going to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ. We're going to sing to Jesus. Like, it's going to be awesome. Or, dude, I've had the roughest week. I need to, like, sing to Jesus. I need to be around, like, other brothers and sisters in Christ. Like, I need to hear the Word of God taught. You know what I mean? I need, I need, to, I need to see a little kid run around the courtyard that loves Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, if that became the way we approach church, I think other people would see it in a different light as well. But I, I would say that's probably the biggest thing is coming prepared and and coming ready. Awesome. Thank you, Eric. That was really helpful for us to hear. Um, thanks for coming on the podcast. Oh, it was my it was my pleasure. It was a lot of fun. I'm starting to get used to this microphone. Yeah, Same. you are. You're getting Great. used to it. Yeah. All right. Before we go, Chris, do we have any events coming up? We do. So summer one is coming up starting June 2nd. So this is where we combine our first and second services into one. That service starts at 10 a.m., and it's really a great way for the people in both services to be together in one service. You get to know and see people that you don't normally see on Sundays. Um, so a lot of fun. We look forward to it every year for the summer. 
And then we have our annual business meeting coming up on May 19th. And the first time it'll be immediately after second service and there will be lunch. We also will have childcare for zero to 36 months. So for young families, we encourage you to come. Come be a part of and hear what's going on at church. Um, So we look forward to seeing you guys all there. And that's it. Awesome. You have been listening to the LBC Podcast, a podcast of Laurel Glen Bible Church in Bakersfield, California. If you like listening to this podcast, please share with a friend and hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on all new podcasts. Thank you for listening in and God bless you. We'll see you next time. Thank you.